welcome everybody to the Magic Beans podcast. We are back again for episode number 133. I'm your host tonight and I have a couple of beans on the line of me. First we have Chewy. How's it going mate? Good mate, how are you? Pretty good. You're sounding a little bit better tonight. You've got your, your old mic back again. It's uh, good to hear. Yeah, I've almost finished unpacking after I moved 10 weeks ago. <laughs> I've almost finished unpacking after I moved three and a half years ago. Yeah, let's see how it goes. <laughs> I uh, When we moved, so we were in our place for like six years or something, or however long it was, and I found a box that had CDs in it. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, they can do you remember, the <laughs> remember CDs? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, we Obviously do also have, uh, we have another bean on the, the cast tonight in Cracker. How's it going, mate? Good. So, if you never unpack everything, then you just buy new versions because that's how that goes, right? So, sure. Yeah, you forget your own that you own it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. This is the Jen, Magic Beans housepacking had, podcast. A, yeah, yeah. I, I promise I had a full set of original jewel lands, Jen. I just need to go find it, right? Isn't that, <laughs> is that, is that the argument, Chewy? <laughs> Look, you miss every shot you don't take, right? So, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I could try it on. I could try it on. No harm in asking. Exactly. <laughs> that's not that's true not, at all. That's not true. That is a total <laughs> lie. <laughs> uh, very good. All right. So, uh, a few different topics to talk about on the cast tonight. Uh, I was not on last week, neither were you, Chewy. We had uh, just Chris and Cracker on last uh, last week. That was a, a good episode talking about all things Commander. Most of it went over my head because I'm not the biggest Commander player, but sounds like uh, Chris and Maddie and Jacob had a pretty good time up in Sydney, so it did get me all inspired and hyped to uh, start planning for the Sydney Regional Championships in November. So if you haven't heard, the beans are all going to be there, so make sure you're there too because it's going to be stacks of fun. I think uh, we, we were with Chris the other night and he was showing us images of a potential airbnb that we we're looking at staying at that, that looked pretty good yeah chris just tells us where to arrive and we just like, rock up with our suitcase right <laughs> yeah. so, pretty much works. yes <laughs> the, la- the last place we stayed in i remember walking in the door and audibly saying this is the fanciest place i've ever stayed in well, do you remember the time before we stayed like above a pub and the three of us were all sleeping in the one? Yeah. yeah. Uh, sleeping sleeping's probably not an accurate word. I mean, I slept. I don't know yeah. about you boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then all of a sudden we have like this 180 degree view over Darling Harbour from the penthouse suite. So look, Polly Waffle, you've, you, you've set the bar, okay? You, yep. You've set the bar uh, on accommodation booking for us. So that's what we expect from now on, okay? I know you're listening. <laughs> So uh, maybe next time, you know, if I could have a mint on my pillow and and a turn down service on top of it, I'll, I'll be happy. <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. I'll just be happy to spend a weekend playing Magic. It, it all sounds good. It's all, that's right. Anything above that is gravy. All right. So we're way off topic already, but uh, that's what we do. So bring us back on topic, Chewy. Tell us about our awesome sponsors. Absolutely. And I've actually got a package uh, just arrived yesterday. So I'm pretty excited to uh, get those into some of my Commander decks. Uh, and that package came from Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar. They are a Facebook auction group where you can bid on physical magic cards seven nights a week, premium auctions on the weekend. They also have the win it now lots where it's a first in first served, uh, super competitive prices, just type sold, send the cash, the cards arrive 
very, very quickly and amazingly packaged uh, with second to none communication thanks to their full-time auctioneer. So please go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au. That'll take you straight to the page. Get bidding, buy some cards off them and tell them when you do buy some cards, tell them that the beans sent you because uh, that helps us out and you get bargains. It's amazing. Yeah, you get to pick up bargains like foil ley lines of the void just to, just to rub it into Cracker's face. Well, I, I own three. So it's like it's probably a card I should have like a full play set of. And it was like 11 bucks. Like there was a $100 card like for no, the non-foil like a year ago. So Yeah, probably, probably when Hogak was everywhere. Yeah. And then people were playing main deck. Yeah, something's going to happen and we're going we're gonna to have a broken graveyard deck at some point. So having having cards like that just on hand for 11 bucks rather than 100 bucks just makes sense. And, and that's the sort of stuff that they have on Josh and Pat's, you know, regularly. Uh, like Noble Hierarchs are going for a decent price and they're a regular thing up on the, uh, on the auctions and... You know, they're cheap at the moment, but they're not always going to be. So pick them up now while you can. Very good. All right. Uh, we added something last minute to the uh, the show notes because I think it, it literally just got announced today, uh, which was the secret lair drop with the Fortnite crossover. So this got announced, what, like a year ago? ago? Yeah, a long time ago. Yeah, and we saw one card, which was some funky art of a person with a bears teddy bears head doing a weird dance and it was like okay and and the magic community lost their minds because that's not magic and whatever but we've had the full drop now and i actually quite like it uh do you want to crack it do you want to quickly tell us what cards are in there or the the real magic versions of them sure uh so the first one is wrath of god which is called shrinking storm there is the car- the magic card is called Dance of Many. Don't worry if you don't know what it is. We all had to look it up and still <laughs> don't know what it is. Uh, there's Ethereum Sculptor, Grim Tudor, Triumph of the Hordes, Smuggler's Copter, and Planar Bridge. Uh, those are all like previewed today on IGN, and they said that they've got one more secret card that they're spoiling in another like two weeks. Mm, okay. And then there's one of each basic land as well. Correct. Uh, I know you two don't play Fortnite. I've played, went through a stage of playing Fortnite with uh, one of my kids, uh, doing doing some streaming over at Gaming in the Hills. Go and give us a follow on Twitch. And uh, so <laughs> some, some of <laughs> some of this artwork I recognise from from playing the game. So I imagine if you're a Fortnite player, you you know you're looking at all these locations. Like if there if there was a a PUBG crossover, I imagine there would be locations on the lands that you guys that play PUBG all the time would be super excited to, to see on a magic card but i quite like this comic book style art so it looks good on the magic cards i've got to admit it does. and i have played a little bit of fortnite because you know when you when you say so fortnite's like you use the pubg reference right so pubg is like magic fortnite is like pokemon like you you start playing your introduction to card games is Pokemon. And then when you're, you're ready to play a real game, you play PUBG, right? So with my seven-year-old, I have played uh, a, a few rounds of uh, of 
Fortnite, and then we graduated to to, to playing a proper game. But uh, yeah, these aren't unfamiliar to me as well. <laughs> you just offended and, a whole bunch of people. Shameless dig to and offended the entire Fortnite community. In one so good. Congratulations on upsetting both Pokemon and Fortnite, which have got probably bigger fan bases than PUBG <laughs> and Magic combined. Yeah, a, lot of yes. a lot of people go to school, less people go to university. What can I say? <laughs> So it's. I quite enjoyed playing Fortnite. It was fun, but I cannot build the forts, which is like. You don't need to now. The whole no, they, they, they took it away. Oh, yeah. really? Yep. Yeah. No more building. No more building. Wow. Okay. Yep. Why, so why? now it's just a cartoony version of PUBG or night. Battlezone or whatever. So. Yeah. There's no no Warzone. fort. It's just night. All right. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that that literally just got announced today. So we thought we uh, we better mention that. But yeah, if you're interested in Fortnite, go and check out the cards. They look pretty cool. And as All usual, it's, it's aside, the, the art looks great on a Magic card. They legitimately yeah. look brilliant. So I, yep. I really like them. Absolutely. All right. So the other things that we actually had on the uh, the topic list tonight, we did a stream this week. When was that? Tuesday. And. Uh, I mean, we didn't – like, Cracker, you and Chris mentioned that we may have been doing it last week on the podcast, and we didn't Correct. really promote that we were going to do it because it was – when we do the, the paper streams, it uh, doesn't always go to plan. And, uh, yeah, we got the setup all done, and, and we decided to do some commentary on some paper magic, which is something we've never done before. Obviously, we've done our league finals and things like that for Arena, uh, where – you get to see both players' hands and you can, you know, move the screen up and down and, and see what they're scrying and, and all those sorts of things. And you don't get to see any of that in paper, which makes commentating on matches a million times harder. So we thought we'd give it a go, bit of a test run, bit of a proof of concept to see how our setup works and that sort of thing. And yeah, we ran that on Tuesday night. So how'd you find that, Cracker? I know you, you got to play some, some magic on stream and then you came and sat in the booth with me. Had to I find did. it. Uh, the playing part was, I mean, the whole thing was challenging because we played Pioneer and I was playing Lotus Field Combo, which I have played not very many times now. So, <laughs> that was exciting trying to work out how to actually combo with the deck. Uh, but, I mean, like just playing Paper Magic was was pretty great. I'm not going to lie. It's always a good time. The commentating though, yeah, tricky, very different. It, um, it made me think about doing other things, trying to find, you know, spaces to fill well not trying to find the spaces there are plenty of spaces trying to find yes. things to fill the spaces with because like you said you, you know like we, we had a couple of decks and when chris was playing lotus field they're, they're just long turns like you just have a million decisions and you're trying to work out how much money you've got and what you can fetch and how you can win because quite often you go like i have to win this turn or completely stabilize so like it's a complicated deck and when you have you don't have perfect information as the commentators it's very difficult to to say, oh, he should get these things or do that. And then when you don't know what the cards do, you think he's won four turns earlier than he <laughs> You're has. <completely> wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, one of the guys at work today came in. He's like, oh, I saw the stream the other night. You guys are horrible commentators. <laughs> You've got no idea what you're doing. I was like, yeah, that's why we were practicing. Yeah, and- He was supposedly just giving me a hard time yeah, because, yeah. you know, workmates. But yeah, yeah. It, it, was, it was a bit of a- you know, we, we really jumped in the deep end with it, particularly with the, the combo deck, the Lotus Field combo deck. And Cracker, you and I played, what, three games whilst yeah, the like booth that. was being set up by, by Polywaffle and Shorty. Uh, and that was literally the first three games that I'd seen that deck in action. Like, I've not played any It's the first Pioneer time you've played Pioneer. <laughs> that was literally the first games of Pioneer <laughs> I've ever played in my life. Yeah. yeah. And the... 
that was, and it was the first time any of us had played those decks. So if we were able to commentate on those matches, you know, when we get more interactive matches and things, you know, if we, you know, hypothetically potentially did a, a an actual event with, you know, decks that didn't have 15 minute single turns where you, you had to find something to talk about, the, you know, coverage might have been a little smoother. And shout out to Polywaffle for, you know, picking up a deck for literally the first time and playing it on stream. That's actually a pretty brave thing to do. And I was laughing whilst I, whilst you guys were in the booth. I I was playing Mono Blue Spirits. I knew exactly what my next three or four turns were. And it was just a matter of like taking the three or four seconds to go through the motions of my turn and passing before Polywaffle could then figure out now with the adjusted clock, how many turns he had, how he could win reading some of the cards for the first time ever and all of that. So yeah, I, I sat there kind of trying to help him <laughs> as he's opponent. <laughs> uh, but you know, if we were playing decks that we're familiar with and were a little more interactive, there'd definitely be more chance to actually commentate, I think. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you guys are talking through a bit of your turns and you know, you're not playing to a a match timer, you know, the 50 minute match uh, round timer, all that sort of thing. So there's not that. You're obviously also friends, whereas if it was an actual proper tournament match, you're going to generally play a bit quicker and, and keep things moving. But yeah, to me, the, the big contrast was the, the pace of the game, which we're so used to with arena, just everything being bang, 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 like snappy things happen quickly, you know, you shuffling. Un- un- yeah, untapping, shuffling, like casting spells, just like everything just happens super quick. And in paper, there's there's just so much extra time and, and yeah, shuffling all the time. Like when, like the, the Lotus Field deck, you, you're searching through your library a yeah, bunch of times and you're, a lot. you're scrying a lot and, and doing things like that. And so you, there's just a lot of downtime and yeah, when you can't see the player's hands when they're doing that sort of thing or you can't see their library properly to see what they're, they're looking for and things, there's, yeah, there's just a lot of downtime. And then you finish looking in your library. It's like, all right, well, now I've got to shuffle for 30 seconds. So. It, it, it was a really good experience. It was really good from a technical point of view to see how our setup works, what we need to improve, make sure we've got spare cables for when Cracker breaks cables and things like I that. didn't break it. It was, <laughs> it was already broken. It, really, it actually was. <laughs> it was, yeah. That, that cables were busted for ages. Uh, you, just, you just completely killed it. But, uh, yeah, like that sort of stuff. And then also from a commentary point of view to go, okay, like if, if we want to do commentary on proper events, we need to – actually know how to pad <laughs> properly <laughs> and have things to talk about and, and keep things interesting and entertaining, which which is where, you know, commentary duos like Cedric Phillips and Patrick Sullivan, who are pretty widely considered in the Magic community to be the best commentary pair in the game, do just such a good job. They have a really good chemistry between them, and when there's not much happening on camera, they can keep everyone entertained with, you know, interesting things and, and just sort of general conversation. So, Hopefully that can come through a little bit for us in in the fact that you know we all know each other pretty well and and we have no issues paying each other out and having a bit of fun so uh, that should work well and we just need to work on the commentary part which is knowing how decks work and how to actually play magic so we will get there but it was a lot of fun uh, I went back and watched some of the vod uh, there was definitely some audio issues in the first part which got fixed a little bit later the music was too loud. Uh, a few other bits and pieces so we'll work on those and we will keep improving so if you didn't see the stream maybe jump onto twitch go to the vod find it have a bit of a watch 
and send us some feedback. Always happy to uh, take a message on Discord or whatever with some tips and some ideas and on things you would like to see for paper coverage and we'll see what we can do. So stay tuned and we will do it again hopefully soon. Yeah, in that space, yep. if if you've got something that you've seen, link us YouTube videos. Like that's yeah, a really yep. good way for us. Like link us streams and say, hey, like this setup looks really good or the way they did this transition was really slick and just like- be specific and like if you can give us like actual stuff to watch like we would love to see that that's yep. really useful for us to be able to take notes on because we do like we we think a lot about you know like old scg tour and like pro tours and you know like the big scale events and and kind of how those were all run and take influence from that and then the experience we've had with the arena stuff so but there's always more to learn we're very new to this so yeah all that happy to rip people off 100 <laughs> percent <laughs> happy right. to take different influences and yes. you know amalgamate them into and make them our own. You mean in influences like cracker? If you, it, yeah, that's right. It's not de- net decking if you use different sleeves than the person who <laughs> different basics, man. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. totally different list. <laughs> Yeah. All right, so I think the, the general talk after we finish the stream was that we're hoping to do a commander stream in the near future, possibly while I'm away. Uh, so, yeah, keep an eye out for that. And, uh, yeah, we'll try to give some more notice this time. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, it was a complete proof of concept, so, you know, we didn't want to over-promise anything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, correct. Okay, so next topic for tonight. This is our absolute favourite format. We absolutely love and we've been hanging to talk about this article that was released, I think, today or yesterday or the day before, yeah, something like today. that, uh, on alchemy. <sighs> Yay. Woo! <laughs> All right, Cracker, you're the announcement person. What is this? Alchemy rebalancing for July the 7th. Mm-hmm. I guess there's a few cards that we should talk about specifically, and then there's a lot that I'm just going to ignore. Yeah, we we ignore most of it. So let's just talk about the ones that impact historic, because I'm at least semi-interested in that. So Cat, the Cauldron Familiar, can no longer block, which is a huge Huge. nerf. Uh, Methook Massacre, removed whenever you don't gain life anymore. Dragon's Rage Channeler, the Delirium now, instead of it going from a 1-1 to a 3-3 with flying, it goes to a 3-1 with flying. So it gets plus 2, plus 0 instead of plus 2, plus 2, which is a big nerf. Unholy Heat uh, with Delirium goes from dealing 6 damage to 4, and they unbanned it just so they could kill it again. (laughs) Winoda now only triggers once per turn. For each non-human. So, it triggers once when you attack with a non-human. Yeah. Which is- So, if you attack with three non-humans, you just get one trigger. You still only get to look at- Yeah, don't. You get to look at six instead of 18. And then, Grinning Ignis has been banned from alchemy. You know, that- That didn't- Wasn't the whole thing with alchemy that they weren't going to ban cards? They were just going to rebalance cards? Yep. Yeah. Yep. But it's this Just just like they were going to have alchemy to- read to adjust cards so they didn't have to ban things in standard and then like five days later just banned a bunch of things in standard (laughs) (laughs) oh wizards is this the worst managed format ever (laughs) yeah 100 percent. yeah it's it's like how much can you do to kill this is it a format (laughs) yeah really well you've only got to look at the numbers and see that like seven people play it so yeah uh i get like people play like, so Grinning has been banned in alchemy, like, affects, like, it's like when they 
make a change to vintage, except like vintage players like are passionate and are enfranchised. Uh, but as far as the number of people that it impacts, it's you know there's probably more players that play vintage and probably being unfair to them. I'm not going to do a Fortnite PUBG comparison with <laughs> with that, but uh, you know it. <laughs> As far as the percentage of the player base that it impacts, it's very, very low. But Historic is more popular. And, you know, up until this one-day event, we were running Historic. And this, you know, if we didn't make the choice to go to Explorer, you know, this would have been an enormous impact, you know, yeah. a couple of days out from our one-day event. So in that context, you know, it, it, it a lot more people that it, that it impacts. And I think it's just taking some decks to from tier one to tier two very quickly like that's a fair yeah. precipice for cauldron familiar not being able to block yep the changes for cat like for the jund sack or the red black sack decks that's pretty big like not gaining the life off me to mask and yeah cat not being able to block is is huge so that's good dragon's rage channeler what is just a super powerful card like it sees legacy modern play so having it as a 3-1 that makes a big difference unholy heat being able to do six damage to a creature or a planeswalker for one mana was pretty nuts so yep that that brings that power level down in your phoenix decks and, and things like that winota like winota's still powerful like Four mana, you still get to look at the top six, put a human card in, tapped and attacking that's indestructible. That's still pretty powerful. It's just not worth it now, though. Like, it's not the busted combo deck. Now it's just, like, a, a mid-range value card. Yeah. Which probably, is probably isn't what it, just it like, always should have been. Yeah. But, yeah, it's it's not... It's not playable anymore, I don't think. Yeah. And no, it's just it's just not an I-win button. It's still an yeah, excellent yeah. four-drop. Yep. I, I yeah. no, so so the thing no, I, I actually disagree because what you had with you had this anemic beatdown plan. Like Winota decks when they were when you didn't have Winota were just like this bad beatdown deck. Yes, you could yeah. like win I, I, one in a I don't think they were towards the end. Like they, they were when it was in standard. It was like I'm just playing some garbage creatures. And to but the bigger card pool gave to, them better creatures, sure. Yeah, but yeah. So they you, were they, you, like towards the end, they were playing at, a full like mono green aggro, or you looked at you know one of the other beatdown decks and compared that to a Winota deck without Winota, it's a worse version, right? Now adding Winota in this version like brings the needle back a bit, but you, I think you're just better off playing you know a, a different dedicated uh, aggressive deck with more redundancy than trying to draw one of your four of so i think we're noted like this is a, effectively a banning look if i'm wrong I'll, i'm happy to be wrong but oh, I mean, we're, nev we're never going to find out because we're never going to play alchemy or historic again so it doesn't matter yeah, true. <laughs> the the dragon's range channeler change is it like losing the toughness is is a beating but it's still like air quotes works uh, yeah, it's just most of the reason you're playing it in Phoenix decks is for the surveilling. <laughs> yeah, ca so I, on I still think surveilling. that's a, a playable card, and, and Unholy Heat dealing four is is still playable. Uh, it's just obviously nowhere near as good. So I think Phoenix is still viable. It's just gone down a peg, which is probably okay for the format. But yep, yeah, I don't know if they needed to do Cauldron Familiar and Meat Hook Massacre though together. Like that's that's ripping the heart out of you know, multiple decks. Yeah. The Grinning Ignis band, there was a card, an alchemy card that got released. It was Racketeer Boss, which is green and a red for a 3-2. 
Uh, when it enters a battlefield, choose up to two creature and or planeswalker cards in your hand. They perpetually gain, when you cast this spell, create a treasure token. So Grinning Ignis is a card that gets used in combos. I've played it a bit in like the Storm decks, Bergy Storm decks, and yeah, you just continually return it to your hand and, and recast it. So you're, you pay a single red to add the mana to be able to recast Grinning Ignis. And so with that creature on the field, the Racketeer boss, every time you cast it, you're getting a treasure which is the red mana that you pay to bring it back to your hand. So you can just infinitely cast Grinning Ignis. That's all you need to be able to storm. And it's a perpetual effect. So you play the Racketeer boss. That doesn't need to be on the battlefield. Grinning Ignis just gains that ability. And then you can just infinitely cast Grinning Ignis, return it to your hand to storm or do whatever you want, whatever shenanigans you've you've got going on. So yes, that is a crazy combo. Um, I don't know why they couldn't just nerf Grinning Ignis and why they've had to ban it, but... Is what it is. Don't really care that much. And that's probably all we need to say about alchemy until they announce that it's no longer a format. Should probably be in the next couple of months. Uh, and then, yeah, they've apparently buffed a bunch of archetypes, plus on plus on counters and instant sorceries and wizards and just some other random cards have been changed. So. Who knows? Who cares? If you're a mad keen alchemy player out there listening to our podcast, you probably don't listen to our podcast anymore because of how much we bag out alchemy. <laughs> but if you are, feel free to uh, post in the alchemy channel and uh, let us know all about it, about what you think of all these changes. Uh, but yeah, you maybe, like you said, Chewie, it, it has a pretty big impact on historic. So maybe it does have something that, uh, that matters to you. All right. Uh, so the other thing we want to talk about tonight is Explorer. We've been doing a bit of talking about Explorer over the last few weeks, and the main reason for that is we have our one-day event, the next event in our tournament series coming up this weekend. So uh, Saturday the 9th of July, kicking off at 11 a.m. Melbourne time, is the next one-day event in our tournament series, and it is Explorer. We've, we've previously done Historic for all of our one-day events, but we've moved away from that. We're doing Explorer and I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm I'm playing this in this event. You're playing in it in, in it as well, Chewy. Yeah. And Explorers, a lot of fun. So we're going to have a bit of another look, a uh, sort of a a more up to date look at Explorer and the the meta game, what we're seeing, and hopefully help you to decide what you want to play this weekend, and maybe help me decide as uh, you and I were discussing Cracker. <laughs> on the stream on Tuesday. Mm -hmm. uh, just cue me for a last-minute audible to something random. But uh, we'll see how we go. So, Chewy, take it away. Uh, yeah, so I've been – it's been my format of choice except for there's the chromatic cube, uh, that I think, which just is just about to end, but I've been jamming a bunch of that. But my constructed format of choice has definitely been – explorer of late and that's it's all i have played for the last yeah it's it's months basically it's really good it's diverse uh the 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 decks are all cool there's no one deck that's just you know miserable to play against or completely dominating the the meta like all the all of the top decks seem to be pretty sweet so um we just you know i just did a bit of a google and the uh the you know win rates from the untapped thing uh kind of cor correlate pretty well with the goldfish uh meta so we thought we'll just use that so we've got that as a, a nice easy show note uh but yeah the the most popular deck and the win winningest deck lately has been the uh the fight rigging saltai decks which is pretty cool because it's a it's a a fun sort of uh fun sort of deck so fight rigging is one of the hideaway cards 
that came out of New Capenna. So it's uh, two and a green for an enchantment with hideaway five. So that means you can look at the top five cards of your library and you pick one and you put it, you hide it away underneath the enchantment. And the condition on this one is at the beginning of combat on your turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Then if you control a creature with power seven or greater, you may play the exile card without paying its mana cost. So this thing, this deck plays uh, some some elves uh, in Lenoir Elves and Incubation Druid to just, you know, ramp things out. But Shakedown Heavy, uh, Reservoir Kraken, Elder Gargaroth, and Vorinclex are all very, uh, very hard-hitting cards. Uh, there's versions that play Rotting Regisaur as well as a a way to you know get to that seven power condition and then yeah you're just you're, you're adding a plus one counter every every turn and then you're uh, playing these enormous threats uh, very very quickly sort of on turn three you're playing your um, you know your seven power uh, you know menace guy or six power menace guy plus his plus one counter and then you're getting another big fatty as well so turn three you're putting like 14 power onto the battlefield which is absolutely amazing and the updated versions are going a little slower and a little longer so this being the more popular deck uh one of the things to hide under the uh the fight rigging has is emergent ultimatum or our runs epiphany so, you know, you don't want to be the smaller mid-range deck. So if this is the popular deck in the format, just going over the top of them uh, and rather than playing this like protracted mirror, it's just like I'm going to emerge an ultimatum, go and get, you know, Vorinclex, uh, Liliana Dreadhorde General, Auron's Epiphany and just choose the way that you want to die. So it's <laughs> it's very, very cool. Oh, and Cure Best of Seagod uh, as a one-off as well. So it's a very, very cool deck. Like it's cute but it's super powerful as well. So uh, if you're planning on playing in our event, uh, you know, make sure you're packing some sort of <laughs> enchantment removal, I think. Uh, have you guys seen this deck in action? I have. Uh, Reese oh, yeah. Ties has been playing a version of this. I don't know if it's exactly the same as this, but you can, you so you can, can go you off can on, on turn three. Yeah. So yeah. Ties and I were working on this last week. Yeah. Uh, I talked about this on the cast last week and Ties started streaming and I shipped him the list and he put, a version of it together and yeah so he was casting register on turn two and then turn three he had fight rigging trigger cast ultimatum yeah like they've always been ultimatum decks that's the whole point of fight rigging is to just do that like it's not about casting another three mana seven power thing with downside it's like i want to valky vorinclex win the game i so- guess i i've got i've got a uh 90 percent let, let, let me bring up Thing. I've, I've got a very very high win rate against this deck against this deck because i they play fight rigging and i just go turn three titan and blow up their fight rigging so i haven't really seen the uh sure but that's like go off. <laughs> yeah, yeah so, okay yeah <laughs> sure yeah okay. i mean you're you're the, banking on having an emergent ultimatum in the top five cards of your library so yeah, if you get if, not, if you get that you go fatty, off right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah correct yeah. but the, the, i mean the hideaway cards are always just super powerful and like yeah just attacking for lots very quickly is really strong so this this deck is cool yep. I, I really like it yeah definitely definitely interesting and and lots and lots of ways you can build it as well yeah well there's uh yeah salt eye and and jund and just straight green green black and yeah a bunch of different versions and 
pick your poison for how you want to actually win the game, but it's yeah, it's not that hard to trigger the fight rigging on turn three. So you know, with between yeah, the Regisaur or the Shakedown Heavy. So if if you have the Shakedown Heavy that you've played on turn two, it's a six power. So you play the fight rigging in your first main phase on turn three, and it gets a counter, and then it's got power seven. So you trigger the hideaway. So it's between that and yeah, and Regisaur, it's uh, it's pretty easy to trigger early and. Yeah, if you've been lucky enough to hit an ultimatum, then it just sucks. <laughs> we played that in standard ultimatum with Aaron's Epiphany and Voronklex and Liliana and Kiora Best of Sea God, and it's just like, yep, yeah, okay, well, I guess this game's over. On to the next one. All right, what else are we seeing that's popular in uh, Explorer? I kept playing against Thalia decks. I'm just going to jump in. Yeah, yep. just like humans-esque yeah. decks um, or even blue-white uh, like humans, sort of a tempo kind of thing I played against a couple of times recently. And they're just like, turn two Thalia can get lost against all my, de- my Delver decks. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I'm like, all right, I've got a great hand. One land, four cantrips, easy game. On the draw, turn two Thalia. All right, scoop them up. I'm dead. <laughs> can't, can't beat that card ever. <laughs> so, uh, I, think, I think there's- Yeah, there's a bunch of different ways you can build it. There's like actual kind of humans lists- that you you might see around where you know like we've got a bunch of the pieces of modern humans you know like thalia's talent and thalia itself um freebooter brutal cathar like there's just a lot of really good stuff to kind of be doing in that space if that's your jam you can kind of go pretty deep on that and then you know like they're playing there's some that are playing collected company and, and a few other things there so lots of different choices around how you like to build it i think Reflector Mage is a card again, which is pretty scary. I really like the Abzan version uh, with Archfiend's Vessel uh, in, and Friends with the, and Freebooter and uh, Extraction Specialist. Yeah, that's one I was going to highlight. Yeah, is, is, is very, very cool. So, you know, you might go, oh, I've got my two land. Get out of here, Thalia. I'm going to, like, shock you. And then they just go, okay, I'll play Extraction Specialist. Uh, which is a three mana three two with lifelink, and it lets you return your Thalia to the battlefield. It can't attack or block while she got extraction specialist, but you still get the taxing or any of the you know Thalia's lieutenant kite sail three booter, all of those uh, effects that you know are static or comes into play effects in the uh, in the thing. You're still getting that back, so it's uh, it's a cool card. I like it. The reason why the humans deck was pretty powerful in modern is most of the humans have enters battlefield triggers and, and abilities. So, yeah, pairing that up with Coco and, and like I said, Cracker, we've got most of those cards here works really good. And being able to hit like General General Kudro or off a, off of a Coco as well, uh, yeah, or yeah, collect a company. You hit extraction extraction specialist. The extraction specialist brings back a Thalia's lieutenant that puts counters on all of your humans that are already on the field, and it just it gets out of hand very, very quickly. And yeah, bringing bringing Arch, Archfiend's vessel back is is quite nice. I haven't actually had that happen against me, but yeah, that that is pretty cool. So cool deck, interesting. Can can be quite powerful. I've played against that one quite a lot on Arena, uh, and I am just dig digging like crazy for Anugan to wipe the board away. And uh, thankfully, Ugin exiles all their dudes, and then they can't bring it back. So that works quite nice. It's a very cool deck, though. It's very fast. Yeah, the deck I've seen the most of playing is uh, Rakdos, Rakdos Midrange. Uh, you get those, 
you get those times like they're they're often playing uh, they're almost always playing four thoughtsies, but sometimes they also have one or two duress, and you get those times where it's turn one thoughtsies, okay, cool, turn two duress, and then something else, turn three like Croxa make you discard a card, and it's <laughs> you're just sitting there going, okay, well I had a plan, and now I've got no cards in my hand, and uh, yeah, that's that's good fun. So yeah, we got. It's similar to what we've probably seen, like in red black decks in standing. You know, you're playing like Blood Tithe Harvester, Croxes, Bone Crushers, that sort of thing. Uh, Graveyard Trespasser as well, which is currently in standard. But in Explorer, you get access to Chandra, uh, the, the four mana Chandra, which is the uh, the extremely strong one. Soren uh, does does a fair bit of work, and then yeah, you've just got removal. You know, we've got Colligan's command is is legal in. In Explorer, which is we've we've played those commands a bunch of times in in modern and in standard, so uh, having access to those, and then of course Fable and Mirror Breaker, which is just all round a good card. So these decks, I've seen a lot of these decks, and I think they're one of the strongest decks in Explorer at the moment, uh, which is not surprising. Like any time you've got access to Thoughtseize and Fatal Push and things like that in in a format, they're going to be going to be quite strong, and when you can back that up with solid recurring threats yeah you're gonna do quite well so have you played against this one much chewy uh yeah yeah it's something that is kind of there regularly and you know obviously the the discard spells uh are pretty good against the deck that i've been playing which is the the uh transmogrify list so having discard spells is great uh i've seen a few different variants like the kind of the the sack, you know, playing Anvil, playing Cats and Ovens. Yep. Uh, and then I've seen a, a more aggressive version playing Dreadhorde Arcanist as well. Uh, so, you know, what's worse than being, you know, duress and thought sees, it's when they buy those things back. So, <laughs> yeah, a, a, like like all of these decks, you know, there are different, uh, different ways to build them. And, you know, on any given event, any given uh, tournament, you know, they could, that could be the right or wrong choice. And that's part of the challenge of, uh, of, of deck building and uh, choosing something for an event. But yeah, there's that backup of, sorry, that combination of disruption and, you know, decent clock. Uh, so, you know, the, the graveyard trespasser, yeah, uh, you know, three mana, three, three puts a, uh, you know, puts a, puts a clock on. Uh, and then all of the, the chip damage that you get, you know, can all combine to be, you know, three, four, five points of damage every single turn whilst you've not got access to your best cards because not only have they been discarded, but the Graveyard Trespass has made sure they're well and truly out of there as well. So, yeah, the decks, I, I, I would call it a pillar of, of the format. You know, it is something that is absolutely always uh, something to be expected every time you, you play Explorer. Yeah, definitely. Uh, another deck I've heard is doing really quite well in Explorer at the moment is basically what you were playing on stream. Uh, the other night, Chewy, which is the the Mono Blue Spirits deck, it's very very similar to the Pioneer version. Uh, there's not really many uh, variations of that. You know, you've got your, your Spectral Sailors, Ascendant Spirits, Rattle Jane, Supreme Phantom, Shacklegeist. You were playing all of them the other night. Uh, a couple of Brazen Borrowers and some Cemetery Illuminators. Slip out the backs, Lofty Denials, Geist Light Snares, and Curious Obsessions. So I think you played all of those cards. I, I, I'm yeah, pretty right. sure I did. Like the Snowland base uh, yep. that you're playing with, the Ascendant Spirit gives you access to Faithless Haven as well. And yeah, it's a. If you're looking for a deck to play in Explorer, and you also want to play, you know, some of the upcoming uh, season 
of uh, of Pioneer. Uh, I recommend having this deck in your in your arsenal because you can get in some reps, get in some practice in in Explorer, and there'll be a lot of you know play patterns and and things that'll be transferable into uh, in, into the paper format as well. So you know we keep calling this like Pioneer Light. Uh, this is the sort of deck that we're talking about in that sense. It, it is absolutely a you know an easily portable uh, list over, and not that you're going to play Explorer in paper anywhere anytime soon. But you know, getting in that practice is is going to going to put you a step ahead of the competition, which is cool. Uh, but yeah, I love this deck. I think all three of us have played the mono blue uh, Curious Obsession deck when it was in standard, yeah, and, and we all really enjoyed it. So yep. It warms my heart <laughs> to see yeah. this deck uh, on you know doing well. It's also quite cheap, like not mm. just on arena, like it's somewhere around the twenty rare wild cards, including sideboards often, and and you know five or six mythics somewhere somewhere around there, depending on the the builds that you go for. And then in paper, like main deck wise, it's I mean if you add up everything on the main deck, it's like it's less than a hundred bucks. It's, apparently, Curious Obsession is worth a fair bit of money now. Who knew? Twenty five bucks for four curious obsessions. So uh, that's an uncommon. Really? From, from I've got that somewhere. I have at least one foil one, in- so that's probably worth a bit. Yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> uh, so yeah, depending on how you build it, you know, it's like the, uh, there's a list on MTG Goldfish where in the sideboard there's unlicensed hearse, which is quite expensive, and brazen borrowers. But other than that, it's very cheap, and it, so the whole deck comes in at 175 US. Um, a list I'm looking at on MTGA Zone. It's 186 bucks from from Card Kingdom. Same thing. You've got a, a bit of money in the Brazen Borrowers, and like just snow covered islands are, are expensive apparently as well. So, but other than that, it's it's really quite cheap. So it's a, a good budget option, and you probably find. Actually, I went to build this deck on Arena this week, and a lot of the like Rattle Chains, Supreme Phantoms, those sorts of ones. I think they've come in from other drops like the anthologies yeah like the yeah historic anthologies and stuff so they were there was quite a few cards it's like oh sweet i should have most of these and then it's like oh actually no i have none of those and i need to spend 16 rares to actually build the rest of this deck so that was a little bit disappointing yeah i think the one card that's really missing between this one and the pioneer one is mausoleum wanderer yeah which is, yeah actually which that is makes a big, big difference big big difference uh yep. it's the one where you can sacrifice it and it you know they have to pay equal to its power so you can you know, get that to be one, two, three additional mana pretty easily. And, you know, so that's a good effect the other night when Chewie was playing it. It's um, yeah. a really annoying cards have to play around. It's like on board tricks and then you've got like flash lords and stuff like that. It's like, oh, <laughs> is this going to be one mana or two? So <laughs> that's that will come. Like, you know, that, that, yeah, that seems yeah. like a pretty, a pretty easy one when they start adding cards in directly yep. to Explorer. I think you'll see that one pretty quickly in the, in the list there. Yep. So, Shorty, you mentioned that the mono blue deck didn't need a lot of rares. I've, I've got one that needs, like, infinite 44 rares <laughs> in, in, in this deck, which is the green-black casualties lists. So, casualties being casualties of war. Uh, and this is, it's just the rock. Like, in in the purest green-black mid-range removal threats card it's just the rock so it plays only eight creatures in four graveyard trespasser four murderous rider which is technically a creature uh some sorens a lolth 
uh, Fatal Push, Thoughtseize, Assassin's Trophy, Heartless Act, Extinction Event, Hagramoiling, Languish, uh, Shadows Verdict, Binding of the Old Gods, Casualties of War, and uh, four copies of Sign in Blood, uh, which is very, very cool to see that card. <laughs> uh, you know, I played that in uh, Jund list in Standard with like Blood Braid Elf back in the day, which was, yeah, so that's how long it's been since I've seen a, uh, a constructor deck with Sign in Blood in it. And it's just cool. A lot of um, a lot of utility out of out of lands with all of the creature lands, uh, castle Lockswains, uh, Besaju's. So just one of those decks that kind of just in the middle. It's probably that fifty fifty uh, against absolutely everything. But yeah, I there's a part of me that uh, really likes the idea of this. And you know, if cats and ovens and anvils and and all of that stuff are sort of at the top of the metagame then casualties of war is is exactly the droids you're looking for to just you know start blowing stuff up so kills fable of the mirror breaker and uh witch's oven and a creature you know and a planeswalker all at the same time yeah ties uh, blew me out with that on stream (laughs) it was it was right i was like oh i forgot about that card i played a lot of that card playing uh jund food in standard and i just completely forgot that it existed and all of a sudden he just yeah completely blew me out it's not fun. It's it's very it's such a sweet card. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, and if that and I feel like if Casualties of War is a good card in a format, it's one of those like one of those things where if it's worth investing six mana into this type of effect, it means that the format's either very very one sided onto a particular archetype, or there are so many different types of permanents represented across different types of uh, different types of decks. Uh, there's you know, it's, I think it's a sign of health. Uh, so I, I, I quite like it. So it's a cool deck. I don't know if I'm worth investing in all of the, the wild cards. I don't know if I'd play it, but I like that it exists. Yeah. Cracker, have you seen much of the Greasefang decks? I know we've got Greasefang sort of getting around in standard at the moment, but that's also pretty prominent in Explorer. There's Esper versions and Mardu versions. Have you played against many of these? No, I've seen people playing it on stream or playing against it on streams, um, but I actually haven't run into it very often at all myself. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I just yeah haven't haven't come up across it yet. But uh, deck seems really sweet. Depending on you know your flavor of whether you want to kind of go more all in, I think the Mardu version is kind of the more aggressive variant, and the Esper one has a, a couple more sort of controlling elements to it. But it's kind of just pick the mana base you've already got. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. You know, there's a lot of uh, interchangeable things. But, you know, it's it's Greasefang Ledger Shredder I th- is huge. I think in the Esper version, I think that's why I would lean towards that. It's a really consistent discard outlet, which uh, which helps a lot. Mind you, there's some good ones in red as well. So, you, you kind of, you can build it a lot of different ways. But, you know, it's all just about trying to cheat Parhelion 2 into play and killing people with it. Yep. I, I like the Esper version just because... Uh, the Ledger Shredder is just, it's a legitimate alternate avenue to victory. It's just such a good card. Like it fuels your deck, it fuels your strategy, but it's also just a, a real card that, that can can win your games. Like if you're playing the, what's the one mana one one that mills three cards when it comes into play or Stitch dies? Stitcher Supply. Yeah, like if someone's got, you know, unlicensed hearse or, or something like that, like the card's blank. But you play Ledger Shredder, it, it fuels your graveyard a little slower, but it also is, it gets big. And there's always that 
trap that players fall into where they go, my hand is garbage, but I've got, you know, this one piece of graveyard interaction, so I'm going to keep it. And then they'll just lose to your legislator because they've got no way to, to handle it. Or, you know, they they side out their their removal and, you know, they're just targeting Greasefang, uh, you know, want something that deals three or whatever. Uh, and then legislator kills them. So I, I prefer the, the Esper versions, I think. The, the Mardu ones may be a little more explosive, but I, I think the uh, the Esper ones have got, you know, a bit more staying power. Yeah, I've, I've played against mostly the the Mardu one. Uh, from what I've been hearing, the Mardu one is, seems to be a bit more popular at the moment. Uh, yeah, the Esper one is, is a bit more controlling. You know, you, you're playing like card draw spells to go with your Ledger Shredder, that sort of thing, like you consider as an ops, but you got Fatal Push Spell, Pierce, Thought Seize, that sort of stuff to, to I guess, control the, the board a little bit. You do have your alternate threats with your Ledger Shredder and, and Rafine as well. Uh, whereas the Mardu version, you're playing, yeah, Stitcher Supplier, Blood Tithe Harvester as ways to uh, either mill yourself or discard cards to blood tokens, things like that. Um, you got Thought Seize to uh, mess with your opponent's hands. And Fable of the Mirror Breaker is the other big one that you get when you play Mardu, which again is another great way to to discard cards and and get them into your graveyard. Uh, if you've never played against Mardu, uh, you've never played against Greasefang, like just so people are aware of what what the combo is, is Greasefang is a, a three mana one one white black for a four three legendary rat pilot uh, with some funky art that says at the beginning of combat on your turn return target vehicle card from your graveyard to the battlefield it gains haste and then you bounce it back to your hand at the end step so what you're trying to do is reanimate uh parhelion 2 which is an eight mana uh five five vehicle that has flying first strike and vigilance and when it attacks it creates two two white angel creature tokens with flying and vigilance that are attacking so they're four force Two four uh, fours. Oh, yeah. two four fours. Did I say two twos? Yeah, two twos. Yeah, yeah. sorry. That's right. Yep. Yeah. So it creates two four fours. So you put a Parhelion in your graveyard through some sort of means, and then you play your Grease Fang on turn three and go to combat. You get a Parhelion. It gains haste. And so you're attacking with a 5-5 five, five flying first strike vigilant uh, vehicle because uh, it has crew four, and conveniently your Grease Fang has power of four. And then you get the two angel tokens your Parhelion then gets bounced to your hand, but you get to keep the two 4-4 angels. So that's pretty hard for a lot of decks to deal with, uh, especially on on turn three. It is disruptable. Uh, yeah, it dies to graveyard hate. It dies to, you know, things like Grafdigger's Cage and, and things like that. Actually, does Grafdigger's Cage stop it? Because Grafdigger's stops creatures? What's the wording on Grafdigger's? I've got to look this up. Yeah, creature cards can't. In graveyards and libraries can't enter the battlefield, but that doesn't actually stop Parhelion because it's a vehicle. No. So Graph Diggers doesn't actually stop that. But unlicensed seems to be the yeah. uh, the graveyard hate of choice. Yep, and you can just kill the Greasefang. It does have three toughness, so if you got a lightning strike or something like that, you can kill it before the trigger gets to happen, and then uh, that stops it. The other uh, one I've been seeing a fair bit of is there people are starting to put one or two Sky Sovereign flagships into their their deck as well which is a six five flying that when it enters the battlefield it deals three damage to a creature or planeswalker uh, or when it attacks does the same thing so um, that's an, another option so you've basically got five or six targets that you can get into your graveyard so 
pretty popular deck. It is pretty expensive on the wild cards. Uh, if you've been playing a bunch of, I mean, if you've been playing this in standard, you've probably already got most of the deck, so you might as well continue playing it in Explorer, but it's something you definitely need to be uh, aware of. Angel's Life Gain, Chewy. I've played against this deck a few times. Have you? Yeah, it's annoying. Um, <laughs> it gets, <laughs> yes. gets out of hand really, really quickly. Oh, you're yeah. kind of like, this deck's so cheesy. How am I losing to this? Uh, but, yeah, so it just plays, you know, exactly the cards that uh, you, you expect. Uh, all, all of the angels uh, that, you know, there's there's Luminarch, Veteran, Speaker of the Heavens, Bishop of Wings, uh, Giada, Youthful Valkyrie, Inspiring Overseas, Resplendent Angel, Righteous Valkyrie, uh, with four copies of Collected Company. And, yeah, it, you're just, like, slamming angels and, you know, getting all of those synergies to gain a whole bunch of life and all of those triggers to, you know, make your uh, make more angels or make the angels that, you've got, that you have bigger. And, yeah, it, it can outscale decks so quickly. Like, if I was playing, like, Gruul Aggro, like, it's just, you know, you just can't win. And you know, yeah, I've try, been playing, try playing against it with mono red. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but it's even not, it's not fun. Even the um, you know, if you're playing like Titan of Industry decks or Parhelion decks, you know, if you don't kill them fast enough, they're just bigger. It's like oh, you've got you know a five five first striker and these four fours. It's like they're not big enough. No. Nah. So yeah, this deck's pretty annoying. <laughs> so it just dies to any sort of sweeper. Um, you know, Coco is the only way it can really, you know, rebuild. But yeah, it's um, it's it's definitely a deck. I don't, you know, it's not a deck I would play. Cracker, I'm tipping something with, you know, only green and white mana is not something that you know gets you out of bed in the morning. Uh, no, doesn't no. doesn't tickle my fancy. Uh, <laughs> I've I've found the the best way to keep it in check is to just kill everything immediately. <laughs> like they yes. they all start pretty pathetic. And so, if they never manage to establish critical mass, you can kind of keep them on the back foot. Yeah, you just uh, got to run them out of resources, right? Yeah, exactly. And if you have a good way of doing that, and then, I mean, obviously, I'm playing Delver decks, so I've got a bunch of burn spells, counter spells, and draw spells. So, you know, you just kind of lean into the, the fact that you can refuel better. Shorty, you mentioned uh, Mono Red. Is Rampaging Ferocidon effective against this deck? Yes, it can be. They they have the the angel deck has I don't think any removal in the main. Like the humans deck has uh, the dude that exiles a creature, whatever that one's Brutal called. Brutal Cathar. Brutal Cathar, that's the one. Yeah. Um, so that can deal with with your uh, rampaging frostnom. But I don't think the angels actually have any sort of way to deal with it. So it does shut down their life gain, which Turns does also shut down. Games. Yeah, shuts down a lot of, you know, creating angels and all that, all that sort of thing. So I've been playing in my mono red list. I've been playing two in the main, and then I usually have at least one more in the sideboard because, I mean, it's just always been the bane of, of mono red. Any any life gain decks, you, you, as soon as they start gaining life, you're, you're just, it's like, okay, well, that's an extra card to get rid of that life that you just gained. And, oh, now you just gained some more life for free. Okay, well, there's a whole other card I need to, to get through that. So... If you can shut that down, that uh, that certainly helps. For uh, sure. Yeah, Ooh, Mono Red. Sorry, there's a enchantment in Mono Red that you can play as well. Yeah, it's, uh, it's like the, the you've vortex. You've got to pay a thing. red. Yeah, rolling vortex. You've yeah. got to pay a red to stop them from gaining life. Ah, oh, is that what it is? But it pings. But that's at the also really good right. against the um, the 
ultimatum decks as well. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's that's the main thing you put in your sideboard for when the when the ultimatum decks were really big, and then it had that kind of side benefit of being good against life gain. So it, it is actually a, a very good sideboard card because it's it's has multiple, multiple matchups. Yeah. yeah, multiple matchups you can use it for. So uh, yeah, if nice. you are planning on, on running mono red, I'd highly recommend having at least a couple of those in your sideboard as as well. But Mono Red's been doing quite well for me. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm, the list I'm running, there's been a few variations sort of getting around. Um, some people are starting to move towards like Fanatical Firebrand and, and things like that. I, I haven't myself. I'm, I'm just running Fervent Champions and Kumanu Faces Kakazan as my, my one drops. Burning Tree Emissary, Kari Zev's Robber of the Rich as two drops, uh, or Bone Crusher for, for Stomp on, on two. Annex, and then a couple of uh, Rampaging Ferocidons, and then two or three tall brands, depending on how many you fit, and then just four four cleaves. Uh, and I've been running three or four lightning strikes in the main as well. Just it's just it's always handy to have a lightning strike. It goes to the face, so you can it helps you to sort of finish people off, but it also kills Grease Fang. So and a bunch of angels, yeah, yeah. So being able to, when as soon as you see, okay, or they're you know stitcher supplier, they're starting to dump things in their graveyard, that sort of thing. Okay, it's grease fang. Keep up two mana, have lightning strike handy, and uh, yeah, just just kill that grease fang before it gets to resolve, uh, before the trigger result uh, goes on the stack, and then you, you're generally okay because once they get those four four angels, you, you're just not you're not winning that game anymore. It's it's pretty much done. So. Uh, yeah, good deck can re- win really quickly. Has the usual absolutely busted draws that Mono Red has, but uh, yeah, also can just do nothing and lose. So if that's what you're into, go for it. Uh, Chewie, you've been playing a Titan list. Yeah, I've alluded to cheating, it a couple of times. Cheating Titans into play. Yeah, turn three Titan of Industry is a thing. Right, that's it's it's a pretty good way to beat Pahelian decks just quietly because you just blow it up. and... <laughs> you have a thing that just kills all their stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a uh, a deck that plays Transmogrify, which, you know, you exile a creature uh, and then reveal cards from the top of your library into your reveal a creature card, uh, put that in the battlefield, then shuffle the rest into your library, uh, as well as Luca Coppercoat Outcasts, uh, whose minus one ability is effectively the same. So polymorph, basically. So you're playing a whole bunch of uh, token Generators, Courier's Briefcase, Fable of the Mirror Breaker, uh, Careful Cultivation, A Seeker's Chariot, uh, even a single copy of Burn Down the House just for insurance, either to give you a token, give you tokens or a, a sweeper. Uh, you've always got a creature because you've got the Orphan Guard as your companion, Kahira. Uh, and you want to play either Careful Cultivation, Channeled, or Courier's Briefcase on turn two. Uh, and then that lets you transmogrify on turn three and voila, you've got a, a Titan of Industry. Uh, and then Fable of the Mirror Breaker lets you copy Titans if that goes kind of, you know, unmolested. <laughs> and it's a, um, yeah, that's pretty much all she wrote. Uh, a Seeker's Chariot and Chandra Torch of Defiance uh give you alternate win conditions. Chandra gives you that little bit of card draw that you need on top of the selection that you get off Fable of the Mirror Breaker. And the version I've been playing is playing four copies of Fire Prophecy because you always draw a Titan. Um, being able to kill something, put the Titan uh, back into your deck. But with things like the Courier's Briefcase, 
treasure tokens from Fable, mana from Chandra, the monk from Careful Cultivation taps for mana. The Titans are absolutely just castable. So you don't, you know, you're not relying on, you know, resolving Lucre or Transmogrify. You can, you know, play around in a gate by just getting to seven and, and playing a Titan. And you can pressure people with the, uh, the Cadillac as well. So looking at my untapped list at the moment, I got a 62% win rate, uh, with the list, uh, on ladder. So it's, it's a deck. It's, it's powerful. It's, uh, it's doing really well. It's got some bad matchups, uh, but, uh, it's got more good matchups than bad matchups. So I, I would recommend this deck if you want to play Explorer because it's fun. Uh, and it, you always got interesting puzzles to solve. Uh, but it's also very powerful. I, I think I was saying to you, Cracker, the other night, it tickles the two parts of me that, that, you know, from a, from a magic perspective that I really enjoy, which is the combo. How do I resolve, how do I solve this puzzle in this situation? How do I do my thing? But you also like Timmy, you just get to cast giant green monsters as well. And, and you just chuckle because, you know, you, you know, it's massive and it's big, good fun. So, uh, I love this deck. Uh, it's, it's definitely my go-to for all things Explorer. Yeah, there's a similar version of this that I think Cracker would be more up your alley, which is a, an it version that's playing Indomitable Creativity. So it plays a little bit more controlling, you know, Voltage Surges, Fire Profits, that, that sort of stuff as well, but playing Prismari Commands and Magma Opus, and you're getting Torrential Gearhulk instead of uh, Titan, which mm-hmm. lets you flashback Magma Opus for free out of out of your graveyard, so... Uh, Shark Typhoons, Fable and Mirabreaker, that sort of thing as well. So, is it colors doing a similar thing, trying to cheat, cheat on what you're doing and yeah, just pull a torrential gear hulk out of your deck to get a six mana creature that's a five six as well as a eight mana spell that does a million things for four mana. It all seems pretty good. It's pretty good. And there's versions that you know, play Agent of Treachery as well. Yep. And I've seen Jund versions of, of the, the list that I'm playing that uh, are playing like Obnixilis and some, you know, black removal and, and things as well. The third color opens up a, you know, a few good options. Yeah. So that's probably most of the sort of top decks in... Um, uh, Blue-white control. In arena, we, have, we haven't talked about control. Oh, yeah, control. Yeah, we completely missed yeah, that. Yeah, control is everywhere and very, very good. Yorion decks are still excellent. Uh, you have Teferi's and Wandering Emperors and Narsets, and then like all the contr- all the control elements you could ever want. Uh, pick your preferences how you want to win, but yeah, see quite a bit of both blue white and Esper kind of running around with you know absorbs and all that good stuff if that's your jam uh, yeah. you can kind of do do whatever you want in that space i've actually played yeah, it's against, a really good against that quite a lot as well and it's yeah yeah there there yeah, is just a lot of a lot. a lot of good powerful and same in pioneer like blue white control in pioneer is quite strong at the moment and so a lot of that transfers over to to explorer so not the sort of deck that i would enjoy playing but it is a deck that you you need to be aware of you will face face some control uh, all right. So yeah, that gives you a pretty good idea. There, uh, we've said this before. Explorer really is a cool, open, wide format. There's just so many different decks that are tier two, tier three that are still really 
playable. You know, you've got all your mono green aggros, your gruel aggros, there's Phoenix, Cycling, Omnath. Like I've played a bunch of Omnath as well. There's other combos like Paradox Engine combo and, and different things like that. There's heaps of different things you can do in Explorer. Uh, and it's pretty easy to take a deck that you've previously played in standard that was super powerful and put it into Explorer with just a few upgrades or find a Pioneer deck that you like and, and sort of transfer that over to uh, Explorer. So, uh, Cracker, you're not playing on the weekend, but if you had no wildcard restrictions, what would be your choice for the weekend? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um Probably Esper Grease Fang, I think. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I can, I can uh, see uh, you playing that. Yeah. Uh, it's it kind of, yeah, it does all the things I want to do. You can play a fair game. You can cheat things at your graveyard. Look, I want to say Delve is good. It's not. not. <laughs> it's it's really close. It is. It, it is actually closer than people think. And I think it's just, you know, missing a couple of pieces that will come from Pioneer. But uh yeah, I, I wouldn't recommend people play that. But if if it was me playing on the weekend, yeah, that's obviously what I would do. Or just like a really good version of Mono Red and just put people to it. Be like, can you beat this? That, that'd be where I'd go. Chewy, I'm assuming you will be playing your Titan deck. If you had your choice of any deck, is that still what you'd be playing? Yeah, I, I'm, I, I really like it. It would take something really special to pry me away from it for sure. I know, it is super powerful and it is quite strong in the meta. So, um, yeah, wouldn't wouldn't fault you for that choice. Uh, another deck we didn't mention that is untouched in Explorer is Jun Sacrifice. So you have the full. There is no ban, uh, no uh, rebalancing <laughs> on uh, on the cat, so it can still block. And you've got access to everything that you had in the standard decks with a slightly better mana base, and you can play Obnixilus as well if you if you want. So that deck is really good. If you want to play some really long, slow games with a, a million uh, things that go on the stack, then play that because it is always a, a really solid deck. If I had my pick of what I could play with no restrictions, I think I would actually try the, uh, the Is It Gear Hulk uh, creativity deck uh, like that looks quite good and seems quite powerful similar to what you're doing with your, your titan deck Chewie. it's like all right i'm gonna i've got this very short combo or, or, or very quick combo I'm, I'm able to do but even if i'm not comboing i'm still doing strong things and once i've you done just it cast like, gear hulks, right? yeah, yeah like yep. deal with this <laughs> it's not hard to get a magma opus in your graveyard because you just cycle it to get your treasure and uh yeah you just cast gear hulks chump block something and then cast a magma opus for free it's yeah pr- pretty nice so uh, i may actually have to look at that list i think i'm probably not that far off of being able to play that uh, nice. so that might that might be my last minute audible or my other one would be yeah go mono red like cracker said just force people to answer what you're doing because you just put so much pressure on people what I will probably end up playing is the Simic Planeswalkers deck that I've been streaming for the last few weeks because I'm quite enjoying that and I've already got all the cards for it. And uh, I'm probably not going to get a chance to play a single game between now and when the uh, when the event's on. So <laughs> I probably should play something that I'm I'm used to playing. So yeah, should, should go all right. I was going to figure out a uh, this thing called a sideboard that you need to put together for for these events. I know, right? Hmm. All right, so that's going to do us. Uh, should be a good event. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm going to be streaming all day. Uh, I will be streaming my matches, and then if anybody else, uh, if, I, if my matches finish early and people are still playing, then they can stream into Discord for me, and I will uh, commentate on them. 
But, uh, yeah, if you haven't signed up for it, just go to magicbeanscast.com and there'll be the link for the event. Sign up free, 250 bucks in cash and prizes. I'll have some – I've still got some collector's boosters floating around. I'll, I'll give you away a couple of those on stream. Ooh. And, uh, yeah, just come and join us. It'll be a good day, a lot of fun, and another chance to get some envy points. So that's going to do us for this week. Uh, if you want to play in any of our events – uh, you need to be in our Discord to do that. If you're not already in our Discord and you don't want to play in our events, just get in there anyway. It's an awesome community, lots of really cool people, and there's always a lot of chatter going in, on in there. And, uh, yeah, if you're trying to brew decks or, or just get advice, whatever, there's always someone that's there to answer you. So the link for that is in the show notes. There's always a link in the show notes for our merch store where you can grab hoodies, T-shirts, mugs, all that sort of stuff with our Beans logo on it. So go and check that out. Also, go and check out Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, the awesome sponsors of all the things we do. Go to jpmtgbazaar.com.au. That'll take you straight to the Facebook auction group, and you can join that to get in on their bargain auctions that happen every single night. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter, all those places where Magic Beans or Magic Beans cast. So just look us up, and you'll find us on there. If you want to find me on Twitter, I'm at Peace Inc. Chewy, you are? At Chewy MTG. And Cracker? At Joel Hill underscore. Very good. So that's going to do it for this week. Thank you as always for listening. Stay safe out there and we will see you all next time. Bye.